0: internet you're tuned in episode 81 of the video game pals the pals network's weekly video game podcast where a group of lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games the news and how it all makes us feel i'm your host pete and bessie joined as always by humpty dumpty himself mr andy brown oh. yeah
1: I, I fell off a wall and got my eggs scrambled <laughs> but he's back i'm Our back boy with is the back. vengeance to spit hot takes and you know, say things that make sean and thompson frustrated like pirates are awesome
2: Damn it, he's Hell still yeah. concussed. Help! You know what, man? I was gonna, like, say that Pete shouldn't <laughs> talk about you like that, but now that you said that, I kinda wish that when you hit your head, it made your takes better. But clearly, <laughs> that didn't happen.
0: <laughs> Can you imagine if Andy came back with just selective amnesia where he just had no memory of
2: pirates as a concept? That, that is the
0: his best thing personality that could happen. 100% intact.
2: If he came back a Sony fanboy, if he came back, (laughs) a competitive Smash player, if he came back with no love for pirates, he would have come back as, like, perfect form Andy. A god among (laughs) men.
0: It's just Andy's, like, slightly shorter and, like, baby smooth all over and has better takes. Yeah. Perfect Andy. Yeah. you guys ever watch
2: Dragon Ball Z? Like, of course. Exactly. Cell starts as a creepy, weird slug and then he becomes an awesome guy. That's what Andy could have become. But he as the <laughs> <laughs> He's bird, oh, no. don't
3: <laughs> know.
0: I didn't even get through the introductions yet. Also joining us here today, Mr. Robert Thompson. Hey, I guess I'm not a slug. That's great.
2: Not at all. Not dude. a.
0: Oh, and the salt shaker himself, Mr. Sean Bartley. Salt shaker. <laughs> I'll take
1: it.
2: Hello, hello.
1: Oh, oh, man. I think I like that to one. Quit the podcast now. Like I just got <laughs> melted out of existence. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, oftentimes we kick off the show with what
0: we've been playing this week, but we've got a pretty, uh, stacked show in terms of news, so we're gonna jump right into... The news!
1: The news! We talking about the news! The news! The news! We talking about the news!
0: Alright, so, like I said, we've got seven items on the news list this week. Thank Several God. of them are very, very meaty. And we're going to kick things off with something that uh, I think Thompson and Sean are going to be very excited about. Uh, we talked, I believe it was last week, about the rumors surrounding a Legend of Zelda series from Adi Shankor coming to Netflix. Well, it turns out that it's not the Legend of Zelda, but in fact, Devil May Cry mm. that's going to be the series mm. coming, mm. produced by Mr. Adi Shanker. So what do you guys think about this? Just initial reactions to the idea of a Castlevania-style Devil May Cry show.
1: Well... I think that if it's going to be Castlevania style with like full-on gross production quality, like high-quality gross violence like Castlevania, I think Devil May Cry is a better choice. I'm less excited for Devil May Cry than I would have been for Zelda. But, yeah, I think I'll still check it out, probably.
2: I'm way more excited for this than I was for Zelda. I think this is a brilliant choice. Um, I saw this announcement and I was blown away because it makes so much sense. I think Devil May Cry is one of the series from gaming that I, I feel like you can translate into a series like this without losing much. Um, because even though, you know, we always talk about on this show, when you translate, you're losing the part of the, the game experience where you're the player And that could make it weird. So, like, in Devil May Cry, one of the coolest things about it is getting to do the combos yourself, right? Um, And obviously, you can't do that when you're watching a show. But you can definitely have them perform some of the cooler moves from the series. And you can get that wow experience. uh, Just because Devil May Cry is so flashy in general. And I think that's a perfect translation. So, this is awesome.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree like there was a Devil May Cry like anime or something years ago. I don't remember what it was called. Um I can't remember if it was like a movie or an anime and I never got around to seeing it. So that sucks for me, but um hearing this makes me want to go pick that up and I I agree like I feel like it will translate just fine. Um because it's it's still May Cry. I mean, it's all about like it it works for me because it's all about the crazy shit that you can do in it and with the Castlevania's um uh, showing me that like all those fight scenes if they were put with Dante I would love to see something like that you know it's it's just right up my alley and I love Don't Me Cry so like I would love a Legend of Zelda one too but like I'm way way more into this cuz it's edgy so <clears throat> yeah
0: yeah I'm definitely I'm definitely aligned with Andy in that I would have I think I would have preferred a Legend of Zelda series just because that's a franchise that speaks to me more But uh, to the initial point you made, Andy, I think this is a match made in heaven when you look at how Castlevania turned out visually, you know, like Devil May Cry is like the exact same kind of aesthetic just in like a a modern setting, you know, so like, I feel like in terms of artistic direction and everything like it seems like a really good match for creator to franchise, you know. Um, there's a little bit more information here that I wanted to, uh, throw out to you guys and then ask you a little question. Uh, so, in an exclusive interview with IGN, um, Schenker also said that the show is going to, quote, join Castlevania in what we're now calling the bootleg multiverse. <laughs> okay. What now? So, right. That's uh, weird. So, in, in the article that IGN has on this subject by David Griffin, uh, he he says, Schenker didn't give us any specifics in terms of what this all means for the series' overall story. He did inform us that he had, quote, acquired the these Devil May Cry rights uh, myself, so the jabronis in Hollywood don't fuck this one up, too. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. God damn. Uh, so, he, so since he actually made the investment, it says that, The speculation here in the article is that it seems like he'll be able to have more creative freedom with what they do. Um, And then they kind of, like, are asking the question of, you know, do you think maybe there might be a crossover between these two series in some way? And, like, what do you guys think about that? That's not the question I have for you, but
2: what do you guys think about the idea of that? Great. (laughs) I mean, come on. The idea (laughs) that two franchises that have nothing to do with each other could cross over or have some kind of interaction or even just the knowledge that they're in the same world and that's confirmed, That that's that's so exceedingly cool. When have we ever gotten that before?
3: The only thing I can remember yeah. in my life is like Alien vs. Predator, how that started up, that they were just kind of like, what if? And then all of a sudden, it just kept getting more and more crazy and then it's set in stone. Yeah, they're in the same universe. Screw it.
1: I mean, yeah, yeah,
0: that's fair enough. But uh, yeah, I think I think Sean makes a good point. Yeah. Like this having like somebody like Shanker behind this who has like the vision and also like the means is rare.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I I guess it's cool. I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, if you're not like, yeah, I, you know, into *Devil May Cry*, it, or it does nothing care for about, me. But yeah, I mean, it makes sense. But for a nerd like me, uh, yeah, no, I think you I would feel the f- same
1: way about *Devil May Cry* and *Castlevania* as you guys feel about *Pirates*. Tbh, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't <laughs> it. I don't understand why like that shit's popular. But hey, it is.
3: Well, when you live on the edge and you're not concussed, you'll understand one day. <laughs> So, I mean, just shove every edgy thing that I've loved throughout the years together in a pseudo-dark universe crossover world. I don't care. Just fine. <laughs> Take as much as you want. <laughs> Throw the turtles in there. I don't give a crap. Uh,
0: so, real quick, um, Shanker uh, had a little bit more that he wanted to add that I thought was interesting, where he said that the basically the announcement of this series was possible because of the success of Castlevania. Uh, He said that it, quote, really overperformed. It did crazy well. We immediately got greenlit for season three. And uh, he extended a thank you to all the fans who supported the show and said, uh, quote, I wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for the fans. Um, So this is I think this is cool. You know, like I, I definitely am more on Andy's side of the fence in terms of like my relationship to this series. But seeing more Castlevania-style shows on Netflix and, like, good video game adaptions is something I'm definitely all for. Hell yeah. Uh, Which leads me into our RANDOM QUESTION OF THE week.
3: You sneaky, Pete. I am. Didn't see that coming.
0: (laughs) So I wanted to ask you guys, with the idea of this, you know, multiverse, right? The bootleg multiverse that they're talking about here. What other games would you like to see get brought into the mix. And I don't think they have to necessarily have the same, like, you know, like tone or anything. Like we talked about The Legend of Zelda being another one last week. I'd like to get away from that one. But what other video game franchise would you like to see maybe get this treatment?
3: Um, Metal Gear Solid? <laughs> can we get that back from the dead? I don't think it's going to happen. But That's a good idea, though. I, don't, I can see that working. I mean, the last I, one was Metal Gear Survive, so it's dead. I mean, but <laughs> if they ever want to.
1: There's some rumblings going on that there might be a Metal Gear Solid 1 remake in the works. Ooh. Nothing confirmed, but David Hader's being weird on Twitter.
3: Okay, I mean, hmm. that's
1: cool. That might might happen, and I would love literally no video game more than just a straight-up remake of Metal Gear 1 in the Fox engine. Uh,
3: (laughs) Hell yeah, that would be great. Speaking of which, another Kojima series, the Zone of the Enders ones, I would love to see that in another show-like form, because half of it is, like, really based on anime anyway, or, like, that style. Um, so it just translates well.
2: Is uh, the question what series we'd like to see join them, or just what? Yeah. Okay. Um, like, I
0: guess, like, made in that style, you know? Like, what? what's another one you'd like to see, like, Addies Get like the treatment? You know? Yeah,
2: like, hands-on. Oh, my God, Mega Man X.
3: Yes, that too. Yeah, that shit, would be yeah. a good one. Oh my god! Like a gritty Mega Man series. Yes, (laughs) because this shit's already dark.
2: (laughs) When I was a kid, that was all I wanted. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's (laughs) the thing is like I don't even think you'd have to like make it gritty. Like Mega Man X's story is already like kind of edgy, and like I feel like if you just like leaned into it with a very like realistic style, like with sleek action, that could be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and then you could
3: have Pretty Boy Zero the whole time, and he could save the day like he always does. And instead of blood, there'd just be lots of explosions. Well, (laughs) Well, sure, maybe they could have blood because, you know, maybe there are actual people there dying too. Who knows? Mega Man could be really I'm sure
0: some people would get murdered by robots at some point. Yeah, definitely.
3: (laughs) Damn Reploids. (laughs) All right,
1: so I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to give you two. Okay. I would love to see an Adi Shankar Dishonored series that didn't necessarily follow the games oh, oh yes. baby. just Ooh. let me fuck around in that world with so anime. Tight. yeah dude that's a great idea mm. it's top then, very differently i kind of would also love to see a borderlands anime
3: i'm down for that mm. i love borderlands man like i i have boundless joy for borderlands
0: that's one where like i i would feel the same way about that that you do about Devil May Cry, where it's like I don't, I don't really like Borderlands, but I think I could see this style working really well for Borderlands. You know, if
3: it was centered around like Handsome Jack or something, that would be even better for me because I fucking love him as a yeah, villain. Yeah.
1: Keep, keep Claptrap far away. Yes, please. And <laughs> I can, I don't even need Handsome Jack. Just give me like the Vault Hunters from the first game. I'm in. It's cool. Nice. I think. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think that there is a. There's an amazing Metroid show. That could be That was going
0: to be my pick. That was my pick. There you go. Yeah, I totally fucking agree with that, dude. Because, again, like, atmospheric horror and, like, you know, like, just really, like, crazy, monstrous aliens and, like, really go for that. Again, that really visceral action, you know,
1: I think that would be awesome. Oh, man. I, like... I think I want to push back on that one a little bit. Go ahead. Why? I think that, <clears throat> at least for me, what I love about Metroid would be loss in a, a good screen adaptation. Uh, just because, like, mm. a big part of what I love about Metroid and Super Metroid, which are the only two games in the series that I've, like, played to death. Yeah. But, like, a big part of what I love about those games is how fucking lonely they are. <laughs> you and get that. I mean... I I like like that with Prime. Yeah, I understood that. I I think that would be hard to translate well to the screen and keep it... Mm, Because, like, either it's just, like, a straight action exploration show, and it's like, this is some cool animation, but, like, Samus doesn't really talk. Or, like, there's characters and things for her to bounce off, and you run the risk of it turning into Other M.
0: I
2: feel like... Go ahead, John, go ahead. I was going to say, you can do both, because... um... There are moments where she can be, you know, doing her thing, you know, in these whatever, wherever her missions take place, and she can be alone. And I think that there's a powerful story there. Uh, You can tell a story about loneliness. You can tell a story about, you know, this warrior who isolates herself from others. And who is dealing with the ramifications of being like that. You can tell the story of people trying to connect with her and failing because she's just not into it. Um, I, I think there's actually a lot of really cool stuff there. I think horror a lot of times can deal with subjects like that. And I think her world makes for a perfect playpen to talk about those issues.
0: I was gonna... I I agree, and I was gonna add to that. I think a way you could do that too would be to give her a uh, non-verbal sidekick. Like, somebody like, um... Like, when she gets the connection with that, like, that baby Metroid in, um... I think that's on the one on the GBA. I don't quite remember, but... There's that little baby Metroid that's, like, her, you know, like, that follows her around for, like, a part of um, of one of the games. And, like, you could have, like, moments like that, right, where it's lonely for most of it. And then there are, like, glimpses of, you know, um, a humanity or a softness to her that, like, you're not otherwise privy to. And I-, I feel like a show that's, like, mostly silent and makes really good use of sound design could work. Because, you know as a show that did that really well that I love is Samurai Jack. hmm mm you know like that has that lonely sad atmosphere to it and i i feel like metroid could go for a similar vibe and just really lean into music and you know and like just sound versus dialogue and and make for really really compelling animation but i had a backup that if if that isn't the route we want to go i think another one i'd love to see is pokemon because I loved when they did. I don't know if any of you guys ever saw this. They did a series like a couple years ago. I think it was around the one of the anniversaries where it was the story of like Red and Blue, the game in the the anime style, mm-hmm. and it was a more like, I, oh I remember rounded, that yeah, shit. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I think
0: I think we watched it together actually. Um, it's only like four episodes, and, right? Yeah, it was really short. It was a really tight little miniseries, and it was, like, hitting all the major beats of the game, you know, and just, like, exploring the region and going through all that stuff. And it was a lot more, um... It was a lot more, like, the original episodes of the anime, where, not that it was, like, dark, but it was, like, more realistic. It was less cartoony. You know, like, the first battle that you see between Red and his rival, uh... I think his Charmander gets bit by a Squirtle, and he's, like, screaming and, like, writhing in pain, like, that kind of stuff. Like, the way... Like, you know, the way that this kind of shit would really play out. And I would definitely be down for a
2: more, like, grounded, like, look at that universe. I I saw that also. That was, like, probably the greatest Pokemon thing I've seen. Um, mm-hmm. It was really incredible. The only... The only problem I have with the idea of that being done in this style is that I actually don't wanna see some like I don't wanna see Ash get you know, bit by a Pokemon and has yeah. <laughs> yes, to have like a kind. fucking I don't want yeah cybernetic and all that.
0: I don't think it would have to be hyper violent though. You know, like I think you could talking about this style but i mean like just because that works for castlevania and devil may cry like i think to that point like you'd have to adjust it for where it makes sense you know like because i think you could have the pokemon fights be more brutal like that without being gory you know
3: yeah they could talk about all the abandoned pokemon and how the squirtle squad was there and stuff you really hit really <laughs> it doesn't have to be gory dealing to, the, <laughs> to make us deal with the tough issues bro
0: and they could do a whole season arc about why the church is
1: evil, and
0: you know, <laughs>
2: <like a> church <laughs> Pokemon, I don't know. All
1: right, it's because
3: they I'll, already got rid of it.
1: I'll uh, I'll bite on this one. I don't like. I don't know why you need two things to take Pokemon seriously and realistically. Because hmm? I like. I understand you want like Pokemon to get the hard hitting treatment, but Ryan Reynolds is already giving us that, Pete. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh,
1: yeah, you know,
0: that's a perfect transition into our next news item, which is the fact that we got the drop of the Detective Pikachu trailer this week. I've watched and it six times. I fucking love it so much. I'm I, sorry.
1: I agree, Andy. I'm all in. Go ahead. lead the discussion because um, this is hot. This is hot. So uh, to break it down, Ryan Reynolds is the voice of Detective Pikachu. If you've ever seen... Um, there was one guy who did a bunch of, like, hyper-realistic Pokemon on Twitter, and then he got hired to design hyper-realistic Pokemon for this movie. It's kind of gross, and it's kind of beautiful. Uh, they've, like, animated individual hairs on Pikachu, and I don't know, I really, oh my god, I'm just so excited for this movie. I'm so blown away by this aesthetic. Yeah, like I
0: I really dig it. Um and I, I I think it's like very split. Like some people are like really love it and some people are really like yeah. like horrified by it, which I get, but uh it's funny because I, for the longest time I was like on the hype train for this movie just for the meme, you know, just to like just to like rib you guys and be like, we're gonna go see it. We gotta review it. Like, but now, like, looking at this trailer, I'm genuinely excited. Like, I feel like it actually looks good. And uh I I don't know. I'm I'm really interested to hear I, what Sean has to say. I'm <laughs> gonna I'm
1: gonna go ahead and double down and say this trailer has already proved me right about eight months ago on this show. I promised Sean that Detective Pikachu would be a better film than Justice League. And I'm feeling pretty good about
0: that. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean i think so
1: hmm uh
2: <laughs> I, I really um i really don't know what to make of this there are parts of it that are actually really cool uh just seeing pikachu like be pikachu the fact that it's like it looks good yeah. like visually yeah. i think it looks good i don't i don't at, at the very first glance, it's like, oh, that's kind of horrifying. But it works for some reason. Um, and I think they probably worked really hard to get to the point where it wasn't just extremely creepy. Um, so, you know, great job to the people who made this movie on that front. Um, I think my biggest staking point is um, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds being Pikachu. Uh, I think it's weird. Um... I think I probably would have preferred it if they played it straight and didn't have, you know, a, a jokester uh, like Ryan Reynolds be the Pikachu. Um, I guess I get it because Pikachu in the, in the anime is kind of a, a troll a little bit and kind of does, like, <laughs> you know... A little mischievous. Yeah, um, but I, I really would have preferred it if they, got, if they went a different route. Um... I'm also not crazy about the idea that Pikachu can talk at all. I almost wish it was it was like I said, played more straight than it is. Um, other than that, I love the the Mr. Mime gag. I thought that was awesome. It really feels like it like it stays true to Pokemon in a lot of ways. But I think I would enjoy this a lot more if it was a straight up Pokemon movie that hits the beats of Pokemon in a general sense like what you expect like gym battles and all that uh, I understand yeah. why they probably didn't want to go down that road um, but uh, yeah th- this it looks fine uh, I don't know that I'm actually interested in seeing it but um, I get why people like it
1: I get what you're saying so, about like so I'm all in on this movie but I do think if I could change one thing it would be to probably cast someone different as the Pikachu uh, for much of the same reasons you said, I think it would be a lot funnier to me if instead of like casting someone like Ryan Reynolds who's got that like I don't know he's he always sounds like he's sarcastic even when he's not right. Um, I think it would be way funnier to keep it straight or play it straight and cast like a like a real hard boiled type. Like, give me Nicolas Cage
3: as the detective. Oh, no. I love <laughs> Nick Cage, but he's not Pikachu. He's Meowth or something. Give me
0: give me Clint Eastwood yeah. as Pikachu.
1: <laughs> Kid, if you want to find your dad, you're going to have to stick with me. <laughs> See, that would be good. Oh, Damn. man.
0: Uh. Well, Thompson, l- let me let's let you get a word in, Edgewise, and then we can. I'll respond every word Thompson gets in is Edgewise. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
3: that was really good.
1: <laughs> that's solid.
3: Um, yeah, like I, I detest the idea of this movie, and I've made that pretty clear for a while. But seeing that's okay, the trailer, okay, you're allowed to be wrong. Yeah, same, so so this has the same venom effect that happened where I was like, "Hey, Pete, that's that looks like it's gonna be good," and he was like, "Nah," and then it's like I see the trailer and I'm like, "Shit." looks like it's gonna be good like i don't want to like this and my only problem is still kind of what we've been saying like i i want danny devito or just maybe not ryan reynolds to be pikachu but like hey we're here whatever we're gonna get it that's fine so past that everything looks fucking fantastic and the the quality of the pokemon like it it really doesn't look like anything less than if it was real life practically at this point to me Cause it's like, yeah, the, those hyper-realistic designs, like that's kind of what it would fit in. And I can't wait to see like just weirder shit that we haven't seen. That's cause there's going to be so many things in there that, you know, they're not going to show like how, how many Mons are going to show up. And I just can't wait to see that, you know, like just their idea on what these things would look like, you know, and how they're going to fit. And there's, so they're building like a world around it too, which is really cool. You know, like they're walking around in city and there's just, jigglypuff there or whatever and you know there's there's a pikachu following around and like i just want to see the world that they've built you know like i'm I'm intrigued in that like it's just it's really cool man like barring anything else um just it looks so inspired you know like they put so much love into it because there's so much love that can be pulled out of the pokemon universe sure and thank god yeah yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah i i think i think that's that's really true like that was my takeaway from this is like I, I definitely agree with Sean's uh, point that I would prefer to have a more traditional, like, adventure movie, you know, about Pokemon. But I actually think this is a really, really good way to, um, to get a Pokemon film franchise started. Because I think, in a lot of ways, this is probably, like, a little bit more accessible. Because I think this movie, you'll be able to, like, tell a tight, like, small narrative you know that you can do in one movie rather than like because like a pokemon adventure movie about a trainer going and doing all eight gyms and taking on the elite four would have to be a series you know or just a really
3: long movie right
0: or or you'd miss stuff yeah and i i think doing something that's like this that's contained that's more comedy oriented that's accessible even if you don't know pokemon well at all like you you know pikachu right like any parent knows who pikachu is um at least for of a certain age and i think that coupled with just kind of like the general nostalgia and like kind of renewed interest in pokemon because of pokemon go i feel like this is an easy way to get like people who are already pokemon fans will probably go see it as well as like parents and kids and this can get a, be a good inroad to teach them about, okay, this is how the world of Pokemon works. Like, there's trainers, and there's gyms, and, like, you can even see in the trailer, like, there's all these things in the background that are cluing us into the world at large. Like, when there's the scene where the, um, the main character, whose name is Tim, is, like, sitting on his bed in his bedroom... And, like, it's the thing of, like, where he's like, oh, I remember you used to want to be a Pokemon trainer. And there's, like, a poster for, like, the Sinnoh League, you know? So it's, like, showing all the different, like, that's the fourth gen region, I think. Um, And, like, it's showing that there is a broader world that is the more traditional stuff that we know. And I imagine we'll get there depending on how well this, well or not this succeeds, you know? And I think it'll probably end up doing pretty well because it's Pokemon and it's got... A bankable star and Ryan Reynolds heading it, and you know it, it's it looks good. Yeah. So I'm I'm interested. I hope I hope that this is the stepping stone to that movie that we want. You know that we're talking about here. But either way, I'm really excited for this. I one. mean, I, I agree that I think that there's probably a better pick for Pikachu than Ryan Reynolds, but I'm not sweating it. I think it's still going to be a fun movie either way. This is already a movie. To I reshoot. want reshoot.
1: Don't speak for we here. <laughs> What was that? This is already
2: the movie I want. Don't speak for we here. <laughs> hey, man, look. This is one of those where, <clears throat> uh, unlike Pete, I'm not going to double down on saying it's going to be bad uh, <laughs> like he did with Venom. Um, I'm very prepared to be wrong about my my stance on uh, this film um, because it, it does look appealing like yeah. i'm pretty sure that when it comes out lots of people are gonna go see it lots of people are gonna like it a lot it's charming and that's i mean that's the best thing you can say about a movie based on pokemon because that's the best thing about pokemon so to, to like to the masses based on the anime the charm of pokemon is the thing that grabs people so if it does that then it's already like miles ahead of where i thought it would get so yeah me yeah, too sure hey Speaking of, of Pokemon, I know we skipped that segment
1: this week, but Pete, have you been playing Let's Go? Is it good? I haven't gotten my chance
0: uh, to get my hands on it yet because I, I ordered a copy through Amazon and it's at my house, but ah. I'm at my girlfriend's place. So Oof. I'm going home tonight to pick it up.
1: <laughs> All right. So we'll save that one for next week. Yeah. I've, I've heard Y'all. a lot more good things about it than I expected from like hardcore gamer types
0: yeah, I have two. so I'm interested to see how I feel about it. Um, I think Thompson and I are gonna get into it this week on pals play as well. so we should we'll have some impressions about it next week. I, I'm gonna try and beat it, I think because it's not gonna take me very long. True. that. So uh while we're on the subject of Nintendo news, uh, we got an update, a slight update on Metroid Prime 4 this week uh, from one Reggie Fields MA who uh, said that the game is well in development. So, um, while uh, discussing the game, right, like, basically this is the quote that came out. Internally, we have expectations about when Metroid Prime 4 is going to be released. We haven't announced it yet, but yeah, the game is well in development. So, I, I, I know this isn't much to go on, but every time that Metroid Prime has come up, right, we've been kind of trying to place it, where it's going to drop on the, the map. And we've been, you know, kind of following it and and thinking about when it was released and how far along it could be. And uh, this is pointing me to think that I really wonder if it's the big game next year.
3: Do you know when, offhand, the, that picture of it came out, just, you know, announcing it at the... Two, direct... years, ago. two, years, ago two now? years ago. Wow. Like yeah. Two full years have passed? Yeah, Jesus. it was 2017.
1: Might have even been 2016. Oof, boy. No, I think, I think no, it, was yeah, yeah, it was It was the E3 after the Switch came out, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So it uh, was. So yeah, by
0: by this, uh, up, you know, now that 2018 is almost over, mm-hmm. we're coming up
3: on two years since the announcement. That's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, hearing him say it's well in development, but not really getting anything else, I wouldn't put it past it to come out possibly, you know, this time next year. Um, I don't see it coming out too earlier, but like you know, more than a year from now seems a little much. Um, they're not Blizzard, you know they they don't put games on the back burner for them. they don't. I mean, you know, Blizzard makes them when they're done. So um, I don't know. I, I could see it coming out like this time next year. I mean, why not? If there's nothing else that you know, it's gonna sell whenever it goes, right? And if <clears throat> if it works out that the Nintendo library doesn't really have any strong hitters. You know, you could always just hold it back for a little bit longer and have that be your game. You know, um, for that area, like I don't know what else they have that would really come out around it. I
1: mean, Pokemon uh, is the thing. Is Pokemon supposed to come out next fall?
3: Yeah,
0: probably? so this could. Yeah,
2: be I think
1: near that before maybe. I think next year's kind of crowded. I think it's likely to be twenty twenty. Really, uh, even further. Yeah, uh, I think Nintendo's
3: got mm. Nintendo's be.
1: got Fire Emblem, Animal Crossing, Pokemon coming out next year.
3: Okay, yeah. Sure. yeah. I didn't remember fire of them was coming out, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, yep.
0: That doesn't leave a lot of space for it. Well, yeah. I
3: mean, they could have, you know, one every season could have a game, like a big title, you know. Every every three or so months, there could be a big one, so four of them. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's a stacked year then, but yeah, you don't want to get rid of all your, your big ones right away.
0: It's just weird because one of the things that I'm thinking, right, is like... We're gonna talk about it later. The Game Awards are right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like a couple, you know. It's like I think it's next next week, two weeks from now, um, two weeks from now. And Nintendo has made big announcements at the Game Awards in the past, mm-hmm. so like I wonder if we might not get the first real trailer for it or something like that because that's the one thing that makes me think that the 2020 date makes sense is we haven't seen, like, hide nor hair of this game since it was announced. Oh, and Yoshi's supposed to come out next year as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm starting to think so 2020 is... Is there a Kirby game coming out next year too? No, that, that one was the one that came out last year. Okay. Or this year. This year. Um. So I, I'm, I'm wondering if maybe this is going to come out at the same time... That the Legend of Zelda did in twenty twenty. Like in that early, you know, March range, like and be that, that first big game of the year. That's where I put I my money. I think I think that makes sense. But I this is at the very least it's interesting. It's 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 good to see them at least acknowledge
3: that the game is still in
0: development. <laughs> well, I don't think
3: anyone forgot. Thankfully, like the fans are probably ravenous, so even hearing this is good enough, you know.
2: Uh <clears throat> I don't really have an opinion about when it's going to come out. I um other than to say that the sooner the better for me as a fan. Like I really 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 miss Metroid. Uh Metroid Prime specifically, and I am dying to play the next one. Um especially because I just I I feel like with the Switch there's nothing like there's no game that's out right now that I really care about. Uh, Smash is going to be great, but I want that single-player experience. And Metroid is unique, and you know we talked about it a little earlier, uh, th- that isolation. I really miss that. Mm-hmm. And I don't play Resident Evil anymore, so there's no franchise that's giving me that experience, and I want it from Metroid, so I can't wait.
3: I feel like on the Resident Evil stuff. I mean, there comes a point with that series, especially where it was just kind of like, well, I guess I just want to play the old ones remastered constantly. <laughs> so
2: I don't know what that says.
3: Um, Sean, have you played Breath of the Wild on the Switch? I
2: I, I played it for like a hot second and it was fine, um, but it didn't like, it didn't overwhelm me, I guess okay um and it really takes that to happen for me to invest in a game these days no i'm I'm sure yeah
3: (laughs) yeah you don't have a lot of time for it too i mean if you're invested in the the prime series like i haven't played one since the second one so it's been a really long time for me Mm -hmm. um and i heard other than was trash so i don't know
2: (laughs) i wanted that game so bad and then people said it was bad so i just skipped it okay well that sucks so (laughs) fortunate But hey, Metroid Prime 4. <laughs>
3: yeah, man. Just I'm needs Reggie. a picture and everyone goes crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, so next up, we've got a, uh, a, a disappointing confirmation um, by one Reggie Fields, I may, where uh, he has seemingly closed the window on the N64 classic rumors for now. Mm. Uh, We've been talking about this story for off and on for about a year since the patents and rumors have been circling around it. And uh, during an interview with Kotaku, he made a statement that makes it seem like it's a little further off than people might think. So, quote, We were clear when we did the first two classic series that for us, these were limited time opportunities that were a way for us as a business to bridge from the conclusion of Wii U as a hardware system to the launch of Nintendo Switch. That was a very strategic reason we launched the NES Classic System. And then uh, when he was... Oh, so while consumers may have been anticipating something, we view these as limited time opportunities. We've also now been very clear that as the consumer looks forward to engaging with our classic content, that is going to happen more and more at the subscription service. So then the reporter asked, would you rule out the N64 Classic coming? I would, I would not ever rule something out, he said, but what I can tell you is that it's certainly not in our planning horizon. Hmm. So yeah. it seems for now, at least, that that puts... Kind of uh, a cap on the idea of the N sixty four Classic, and um, maybe points to the idea that we might see some more retro games coming to uh, NES on- to the Classic Online system at some point. So um, I don't know. I am a little disappointed by this. You know, Me I think too. I I really like those classic systems, and I think like specifically the N sixty four era is one that I was excited <coughs> to get a classic for because they're the hardest to
3: play. Yeah, it's on modern really TV. hard to set that shit up. And, it's, well, it's like, annoying really. They don't
0: emulate well. Yeah. yeah, they don't emulate well, and, like, you can't hook up an N64 to a modern TV very easily without a lot of expensive hardware. And, um, yeah, it's like, it sucks. Like, it would be nice to be able to get some of the, those good multiplayer experiences on an HDMI capable console that you could bust out when you have friends over and are feeling nostalgic.
2: You know? Yeah. I, um... I'm I'm almost relieved in a weird way because <laughs> I know that this is just going to be disappointment. Like it's not going to have the games that I really care about the most. So, I, you know, whatever. It's not going to have Perfect Dark. It's not going to have um, any of the wrestling. It games. might eh, I don't yeah, see it. I'd hope it would have Perfect Dark, on. Yeah. I think it'll have gold. A wrestling game probably. If, not, if anything it probably it'll have GoldenEye. Um, And I don't even think that'll happen. But, um... That's... Those were the games that I really loved. I don't think I really cared about a lot of the games that people talk about when they talk about uh, the Nintendo 64. Um, Mm. And I just don't think that a lot of those core games for me are going to make the console. So because of that, I don't really care that much.
1: Fair enough. Yeah. I... I don't know. I've never been really about these classic consoles. It's it's a bummer cuz I know you were looking forward to it. Like, and I'm I feel for you there, but also like <laughs> I was never going to buy this, so it's no skin off my they're back. They're just they're just so cute, man.
3: They're so cute. I have both of the classics and I don't buy shit, so it's like <laughs> I would have bought this, you know, right away. I mean, yeah. I mean, I like yeah, yeah I I want the library to have certain games that I grew up on and cared about. And there's a lot of dumb games that I love that nobody has ever even heard of, you know, or gives a shit about. So, even barring that, I'd, I'd still pick it up, probably. Just, I love these things. I don't know why I love them so much, but I really love these things.
0: I just want an easy way to play these games. I mean, that's what know? it is,
3: right? I mean, I, I, I fucking love taking the little SNES classic, the little sucker, just a tiny little box, and I just take it anywhere you want to go and just play some SNES games, you know? And I don't know. Something about yeah. it is really cool. I love it.
0: Yeah, I I, th- I think they're really appealing. I, I really like them as a product, and I, I'm... I'm disappointed that it sounds like they're going to be slowing down on them, but I get it. And, you don't want to have you know, 20 versions those, of it, you know, and all different yeah, sets. Yeah, I guess. I, and it's like they gotta; those are all then multiple like sets they need to keep producing yeah. and all these other things,
1: and you know. So um, I also think that there's a real danger with the N64 of the just a game's not holding up as well as you'd like because yeah, I, I some think of them that for sure the that era the n64 and ps1 in particular exists sort of in an awkward transition phase uh yeah absolutely and that like i i think there's a real danger of those games being like nostalgia tinted and unless nintendo went in and also cleaned them up a little bit which seem which would seem to go against the spirit of like
2: what it's what it's about yeah I, I really don't think that matters. I think anybody who's buying them because of nostalgia is gonna not care, like.
3: Yeah. Speaking on that note, uh, the Castlevania two pack games with Rondo of Blood. I know, like, <laughs> I'm going to start it and Cynthia Knight. Um, I did pick that up for twenty bucks, and the first thing I oh, noticed, yeah, the first thing I noticed is that like the the line dialogue <clears throat> we were talking about <clears throat> being different. It's actually starting to piss me off a little bit. It's so different. I. Don't remember the characters sounding this way or feeling this way and even the attack sounds are different because the character's voice is now different so when you swing your weapon oh. and stuff so it's strange it's a weird feeling to be playing this game again and like what the hell you know like I, it's, I it, it's off. it does feel it, th- it throws me off and it's not nintendo's motive to go in and do that to games a lot of times and yeah a lot of them might need something like that for all i know like for me, you know, you could put Mario sixty four, Star Fox sixty four, yeah, like just basic stuff that came out and hasn't really. To, I mean, I've played them recently enough to know like they're not going to be, you know, needing anything else. But there are a lot of other ones I love that really aren't that good. And
0: I think a know, lot of the big games on N sixty four hold up well enough. They do. That, they do. Like you'd you'd be able to like go in with the proper mindset and still enjoy them. You know, yeah. like. Mario and DK sixty four, both of the Zelda titles, Smash Bros, Mario Kart, Diddy Kong Racing, Perfect Dark. Oh, I like, Diddy Kong Mario Racing sixty four, Mario Kart, Mario Kart. <sighs> I I I don't defend Mario Kart sixty four because I think it is really <laughs> rough compared so to bad. like,
1: yeah, especially when Diddy Kong of, Racing exists
0: and was on the same. Page. I agree, <sighs> I agree, but I think a lot of people will still play that game. Not if Diddy Kong's like, out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, but I, I think, I you know, like, I've played that game, like, when I was in college, you know, with, like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we're going to bust out Mario Kart 64 and play that, you know, and, and get drunk. And, like, I feel like the nostalgia carries you through on that experience enough. You mm-hmm. know, like, it's rough, but it holds up enough if you want to go back and play it. I played but...
2: it, like, uh, a year ago. And yeah. with my girlfriend, actually, who was probably a bigger fan than I was when that game uh-huh. was relevant, uh, and we both hated it. It was very <laughs> hard to play. It was ve- I don't know how yeah. I played that when I was a kid. It's, it Dude, just like,
0: it. especially, like, if you play Mario Kart 8 now, yeah, it's like, yeah. that game is so fucking, it's like butter, you know? <laughs> you had that one, right? I sure do.
3: Yeah. That game is, that's, that's a, mm. I'm only good at bad that games, the, so maybe
0: it's the best car racer ever made, like full stop. Well, eight deluxe. <laughs> yeah, eight deluxe. No, Diddy Kong Racing is great, but it's it's
3: like not as good as eight deluxe. Let's be real. I, mm, mm, Diddy Kong holds up really strong, man. It's, it's a good does. game.
1: Diddy Kong Racing. Diddy Kong Racing right, is a solid Pete, game. Important question for you before we yeah. while we're still on this topic of uh-huh. of the late '90s cart racers. Uh huh. Diddy Kong Racing or Crash Team Racing?
0: Crash Team Racing. Of course. That's my pick. I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. And then that was I I think that game is criminally underrated. I, I truly, I truly believe that.
3: It, well, I never even played it, and you know, that's really saying we'll, something. We'll bust it
0: out. We'll bust out my PS3
2: that's backwards compatible and we'll play that shit, bro. We'll give it a shot. I'm, you can see. I'm gonna go out on a limb and I'm gonna really stand by this take. I think Diddy Kong Racing is better than Mario Kart eight. That's crazy. Whoa. No,
3: a good piece, of, like almost forty nine to fifty one. I'm, I'm there. Like I'm pretty close on it. Like Diddy oh. Kong Racing is like for me the the game of racing. Ah,
1: Khan, you're corrupting
2: um, Thompson with your takes. I'm going to tell you. No, why. this is a
3: real take, man. I've felt like this for years. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm going to tell you why because Diddy Kong Racing doesn't just give you racing. It also it gives you, gives everything, you everything you get in Mario Kart Eight. But and on top war. of that, you get a whole, like, <laughs> mode that's about collecting the coins, doing the challenges, progressing the, the story. I mean, it's not really a story, but, like, no other kart racing game that I've ever played has that much depth. And that's a game that came out in the 90s. Fun fact, do you know it also has a, a bunch of those things? Not not the plain
0: stuff, but all the story mode and everything? Get out of here. Crap. Crash. Get out of here. No.
2: I'm just saying. Yeah, just saying. It did. doesn't have planes. It does it have um water it does, movement? It, it does not. Hovercraft it does not have cars, planes. planes
3: and all three can <laughs> mix together per thing. And you're doing your thing on the ground. And, oh, a plane just flew by? What's he been doing the whole game? You don't know. Because it's, it's a wild fucking racing game, man. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to be getting my soapbox and preaching this game on the streets. Like, bring it back. <laughs> uh, all right. Does
0: anybody have any more waxing nostalgic on kart racers, or can I move on? Uh, Go
3: for it, Crunch or Cronk, whatever right. his name is for life—the big alligator man.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, where was that guy's game? <laughs> I don't think he deserves I don't know one, who but that okay. Where was? Yeah, he was nobody. He was one of the characters they invented for that game. <laughs> he was nobody. <laughs> I remember when
3: you picked him too. Oh, he's like, oh, "I'm
0: Kronk," and it's like, "Who the fuck are you?" The <laughs> funny thing is, that game was the first appearance of Banjo. Oh
2: shit! Yes. Really? I didn't yep. know that.
0: Yeah. Oh, and it's funny. A lot of people, I think, mistakenly think that it was the first appearance of Conker, but he had actually been in a Game Boy Color game before that. Mm. Um, and it was like actually like a regular mascot platformer that was cutesy and stuff, and then they made him all gross and stuff on the Conker's Bad for Day. <laughs> My man has a complicated history.
2: Where's his <laughs> movie? Let's get that. Dude. Oh, man. There's
0: there's a fucking uh,
2: frozen.
0: bootleg multiverse series <laughs> that I can go for. <laughs> Conker's bad animated series. <laughs> <I'm> with it. <sighs> uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so moving right along, we have an update to a uh, a story that we've, we've talked about a couple times on this show. And... Um, you know, I think this is about as happy an ending as it can get. Uh, so if you've been a long time listener, we, uh, you know, we talked about the, um, the swatting case that, uh, involved, uh, Tyler Barris and led, uh, to the death of an innocent 28 year old father named Andrew Finch. Uh, it was, you know, connected to a bet in, uh, I, th- I believe it was called duty. Now it's been the, you know, it's been a long time, but, um, essentially, uh, Barris has now, uh, accepted a guilty plea which uh could lead to him serving 20 to 25 years in prison uh and he is serving for 51 total charges which not only includes this event but all of the past uh swatting hoaxes that he's been involved in which again if you want to get the full story we've done you know a full main topic on it that you can go back and check out um which we'll link to down below but uh essentially the the takeaway here is that that's that's about the minimum that it looks like he's going to face uh, because he has the option to get that if he writes apology letters to uh, the families that he's affected and uh, a few of the police departments that he uh, involved in his hoaxes. And if he refuses to to do that, uh, they're going to request an even uh, more severe sentence. So obviously, um, you know, this is... No no part of this story is uh, is good news, but I know the thing that we were most concerned about was what was going to happen here. Because historically, these cases have not really been taken very seriously. And, you know, our, our hope was that at the very least that this would set a precedent. And it seems as though it at, at least will do that. So uh, I did want to just kind of update on this story seemingly for the last time. and uh, and And just, you know, give us any opportunity to give closing thoughts.
1: Um, I mean, I'm I'm glad that it's being taken seriously by the courts, but, like, don't fucking do that. Like, come on.
0: Yeah, you shouldn't, you shouldn't need, uh, yeah, the like, threat of
1: jail time to not do something like that. There should be but... fucking <laughs> common sense, like,
2: people are the worst. <laughs> it's a, it's just a sad story, like, it's just, uh, it's a bummer. Uh, I don't know if we've learned anything, really. Um, I haven't kept up with swatting uh, in the sense of... I don't know if it's still, like, an ongoing issue. Um, Hopefully it's not, but I'm pretty sure it is.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I think think this is definitely going to change the conversation around it, though. For sure. You know? Like, this is showing, like, that there are real consequences for For doing that kind of shit and that it's not just a prank that this is something that is a really serious issue and it's good to see you know uh, this guy being you know uh, held responsible good yeah. yeah I know both of the other gamers who are involved in it are also facing criminal charges uh, so that's that's good as well that was another thing we were concerned about uh, I think the one thing is like there doesn't seem to be any consequences for the the SWAT officer and not that I blame him for the situation, but I know we did have that discussion of, you know, um, the issue of, you know, kind of, if you're on a SWAT team, maybe you don't want to shoot first and ask questions later. So that's kind of the one thing I'm still a little bit, you know, uh, uncomfortable about, about with the resolution of this story. But I think at the end of the day, like this at least seems like some good will come from all this bad. And, uh, that's, that's a positive. So, moving right along, um, we also got news of uh, a pretty interesting development from Microsoft where uh, they're apparently building a diskless Xbox One that they're planning to release sometime in 2019. Uh, so, just on the the initial feedback on this, what what do you guys think about the idea of that? Of the idea of, of, of them trying to move to a digital-only console? Awful.
2: Why? Absolutely awful because I think that there are so many examples of pro- of problems with stuff like that. For example, uh, I have a huge problem with iTunes, and, and and this is not this is not a me thing. This is notorious. They all the time will change your music. Uh, like let's say you have a song. I've had this experience. I have a song. I have the explicit the explicit version. All of a sudden, it becomes the clean version, and the explicit version is no longer available. You buy a movie through iTunes. All of a sudden, the movie is no longer available. It's because the, the, the publisher decided that they don't want that movie to be available on iTunes anymore. Well, now you don't have it. Um, all kinds of things like that then go on. I, I really despise the idea of digital only because you have no control anymore... Over the product that you purchased. At the end of the day, they could decide. You know what? You don't get to play this game anymore. And now the sixty dollars that you sunk into it, gone. Doesn't matter. And what are you going to do about it? You don't have rights in these situations. Uh, it's it really is ridiculous. Um, and then on top of that, what if your internet goes out? If your internet goes out, is that going to be a problem? You know, I just had there are so many issues with this that I, I really, really, really hope that people understand how bad that can get. Mostly, I think it's pretty good. Of course you do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, like, Eddie? I buy most of my games digital anyway. Um, and like, I already have an Xbox, so I'm not going to buy this. But like, uh, depending on the price point, I think this could be like really good for them like
0: so uh, on the subject of the price point uh that's one of the things that uh that they're talking about the reason that this is happening is the goal is to make this console with a price point of two hundred dollars or less so uh the trying to
2: essentially lower the bar of entry for you to enter the Xbox one family of consoles it's yeah. fine it's fine in the world where there are other options but when you ask sure. the question you ask what do you think about uh, disk consoles, that. and that I have yeah. a problem with. If you want to have an Xbox One that doesn't have a disc tray because there are other options, sure, I'm just not going to buy it, but if the next Xbox or right. the next PlayStation doesn't have a disc slot, that's a big problem for me. And I think it should be a big problem for consumers. I think people should pay attention to that. Yeah, I I share your concerns
1: about like the future of like DRM DRM and how we're gonna like treat consumers. And I think this is this is the start of a of a slide to this is for the people they're trying to sell Game Pass to, right? It's like, oh you can get the console for cheap. Game pass is like ten dollars a month and look at all this cool shit you get with it. Um and like boom, right there, uh two hundred bucks and you have yourself a library you can play on day one. And like I like that but I I agree with you that I don't like that being the only option. And there apparently
0: seems to be at least some possibility that 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 could be the case moving forward. Uh, In the article from, um, I think it's Thorot. I've never heard of this website before, but they're the ones who broke this story, um, by Brad Sams, and uh, he he said here that... um, the company also has a revived Xbox One S SKU that is targeted for later in the year that focuses solely on cost reduction but does not feature a disc tr- or but does feature a disc drive for those who still prefer the tr- uh, the traditional way to buy your games. And then they said Microsoft is moving forward very carefully with this product as it knows that a sizable portion of its users do prefer to buy physical games and not download them. As for Scarlet, which is the Xbox One successor that we've talked about that is supposed to have a lot of kind of cloud features and stuff like that, um, Microsoft is still trying to decide if that console will include a disk drive, but should make the final decision shortly. So, interesting uh, to see where this is going to end up, I guess, you know. Yeah. Um, it's definitely. It seems at least possible that they they might want to go the all digital route next generation. I think it's too soon for that. I don't think I don't think consumers are ready for that. And I think the thing that Sean has brought up regularly when we talked about digital only futures is the issue of uh, internet not being reliable in plenty of places and not just. Uh, I think a lot of people think of it as like, oh, it's only a problem if you're like in the Midwest or something.
2: There are a lot of cities that don't have great internet. You know, dude. The the reason that I cannot podcast from my girlfriend's house, who lives two blocks away from me, is because her internet is significantly worse than mine. Significantly worse. And she pays almost the exact same amount of money. We live in New York City. This is not a weird minority of people problem. America has a problem with internet. It's a fact. And we need to consider that before we move forward with even more features that require you to have a fantastic internet connection. This week in raiding, we lost time because my internet went out. And I normally have great internet, but it happens. And if gaming is important to you, and you lose your internet for any amount of time, now you are locked out. And that's awful. Yep. Yeah, that's a problem. It's definitely a problem.
3: It reminds me of... Uh, so there is... Oh, there, oh go ahead, Thompson. It reminds me of back in the day, Pete, you remember when we would pull out the 360 and say, let's play this game. Oh, shit. It needed us to be actually connected to do it. You know, like we bought the games, but we weren't even yeah. able to play them without an air connection, which that used to drive me insane because I'd just be like, I just want to play this stupid game. You know, like I bought it. Yeah. Like, why can't I play it? Like, that, it gives you the demo version of it without being connected. And I... I I'm not saying that that's what they're going with this, but but to Sean's point about not having internet access, that was the same idea. I mean, we just weren't able to connect to it. And it's like, but I own this game, you know, because it was digital only. And uh, I, I always share those concerns. I mean, it's, it's cool as fuck that there's going to be a Game Pass box, basically. You know, that's really cool. But, uh, you know, there, there's going to be a moment where you're not going to have access to it for whatever reason. And that's going to suck if you're just like, I have this xbox and i only have game pass on it and the internet's down for whatever reason guess what you're not using it you know you can throw no you can't even throw like a dvd in there or something because it's not this. Yeah, yeah you know
0: yeah and i think i think to that point right like if you go into it with that mindset and you know that that's fine of course yeah but if that becomes the only option that is a that could be a really significant problem for a, a
3: a lot of. Players. I don't. I yeah. And I, I that, do not believe that we are ready for that. I believe the concept is amazing, but I do not think we're ready. And it's. I think that's the future. It's definitely the future. Point, I mean, but I but I don't. Yeah, I don't think we're there. I mean, I think even seventy fall seventy six. Even when you physically buy it, just gives you a code for the game to download. I don't believe there is actually like a yeah. disc for it anymore. So you're sure. you're doing that too. <clears throat> even less and less. You know, like the the amount that we're physically buying. Even if you are physically buying, it's just turning into codes. So it's it's clear the future.
0: Yeah, are you download like the entire game on your console anyway?
3: Shit when Fallout 4 came out, I remember it was like I I actually it was the first time I, I digitally bought a game through like PlayStation Store and it was like, "Oh, pre preload it." And I was like, "Oh, fuck yeah, that's that's cool, man. Maybe there's something to this." Except yeah, that is super Except nice. the preload happened and then the game launches and then it's like Sorry, there's another three fucking hours of loading stuff to do and downloading shit because, yeah, and it's like, well,
0: I mean, that's I think that's more of a it is. I mean, on but that's like, you know, my one. first
3: experience was tainted by, well, oh, you'll be able to play it when it yeah. comes out, and then I waited till four in the morning, and I was like, mm, stop playing it now. I gotta go to bed, damn it, <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know, there's uh, ups and downs.
0: There, there is one last wrinkle to this that I do just want to let you guys know. Uh, the um, there's also going to be a disc to digital program. So that if you already have a library of Xbox One games that you want to trade in uh, and get digital codes for, you can go to like a Microsoft store and trade in your disc for a download code. Hmm. Interesting. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um. Very very consumer friendly uh thing there. So yeah, it's an interesting story. I'm I'm not I'm not sure how I feel about it. I think the idea is good, but I, I hope it's not something that they rush into. Like they like they did with the idea of like a DRM uh their DRM like free Xbox one original pitch right was like I don't think we're there yet you I know think they've and learned the market responded you know so I I'm I think they've learned from that it seems like they are being cautious but the idea of the scarlet not having a disk drive seems like a mistake and I, it's one I hope they don't make because otherwise I think they've done a really excellent job setting themselves up for the future here.
3: I think it's a mistake for one reason, and I, I really do watch, like, DVDs and stuff on my PlayStation, and, like, it it would be fine if you could digital every game and all that, but, like, I don't have a DVD player or a Blu-ray player, you know? That's my console. Getting rid of the disc for me sucks. Like, I just don't have access to playing it anywhere else now, you know? And if that's the future, that's the future, but... just sucks losing any sort of accessibility that you've already had, you know? Just even mm-hmm. if it's for like progress or something it's like but i could do this you
2: know <laughs> it's like i don't know yeah it does it does irk me but can i ask you guys a question yes yeah all right so next console let's say no disc slot each of us has probably dozens if not hundreds of games that are now junk How do we feel about that?
0: Well, I don't, I wouldn't say that that's necessarily true. Cause I mean, like if the next game rolls around, right. Or the next console rolls around, I guess I should say. Um, I don't necessarily go into a new console generation with the expectation that I can play my software on the next thing, you know? So it's like all the games that I like, all my PS3 games don't work on PS4. They're not junk. I just have to keep my PS3 to play them, you know? Whereas, like, it, the only console I have in in recent memory where I was even able to do that was the Wii U, where it was like, oh, all my Wii
2: games still work, so I can put the Wii U away. Yeah, but we, um, we complain nonstop on this show about a lack of backwards compatibility on, on PlayStation. You're
0: you're right. Don't get me wrong. I I'm pro backwards compatibility, and I want it to be as easy as me putting my PS4 disc in a PS5 and playing it. But I don't I don't have that expectation anymore. Because it's now happened with two consoles this generation where all my old software only works on the last generation of stuff. And historically, that's how that works. You know, like, the, the, the number of consoles that had backwards compatibility is far less than the number that don't. Yeah. You know, that's only a, a semi-recent thing,
2: you know? Yeah, but when you're talking, like, it's understood why consoles that don't have discs can't do that. I get why it doesn't work for cartridge-based consoles, but dis- in the disc-based world, uh, you had backwards compatibility between from everything up to the PlayStation Three, <clears throat> Xbox to Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty, and then Wii to Wii U. So all yeah. that whole cluster of consoles that generation had backwards compatibility. That's a really long time. From PlayStation One to Three, that's a long time. From and then and then now, to say that there's going to come a point where that won't be possible, I think is ridiculous.
1: I mean, so is it that just to digital thing? Might be it. <laughs> the way that Xbox One backwards compatibility works is like kind of weird, but uh, it's not. It doesn't run your disc. It you put in a disc it uses the disc as the DRM to let you download the game from Microsoft servers, like, enhanced to run backwards compatibility. Yeah. Um, and, like, I don't see, I don't know how, but I I'm sure they could figure out some way to let you keep doing that if they moved all digital. Um, I think an all-digital option is good, but I don't think that it should be the only option. So, Uh, yeah. Moving forward, because, like, I, when I moved to my apartment, I definitely bought too much internet. Um, I don't need to, like, have the, I think I have, like, 500 megabit? Like, I don't need to have the internet plan I do, but, like, it works out, and if I could, you know, justify when the next consoles move come around, I could justify going all digital, but I understand that that's not always an option for people. Um, I think that having this as an option isn't a terrible idea. And I, to be honest, I buy most of my
3: games digital anyway. Mm -hmm. I think one of the ways to get around not having the disc would be that, that just the digital thing, you know, It's like, if you have an old copy and if you have something like the Xbox server where you're just downloading it and you're putting it on the console because you have to access the DRM somehow, uh, you know, that could work still sucks for me that you know i i do want to have the physical something you know like there's there's only really like, like three games i've ever bought digitally just because of convenience at that point either i couldn't get out at that time or it was, it was just a matter of there was a sale and i don't like the idea that we're going to like just turn our back on backwards compatibility and that like yeah it happened for a bit but we're not expecting it anymore like i I don't really expect it anymore, but, like, I really want it. You know what I mean? Um, it was a shame for me that I wasn't able to do PS3 stuff on my 4 because my 3 broke. And, yeah, I need to keep a 3 around, but, God damn it, I wasn't buying a 4 and then buying a 3, like, a week later. You know what I mean? Yeah, to replace it. <clears throat> so, missing out on all the 3s I had, and eventually, over time, I just ended up selling just about everything, you know? Um, which yeah. sucked, because my 3 was where I played my 2 games at and my 1. And that led to me selling more twos and ones. Now I have a very limited library of PS1 and 2 games, but I used to have probably like 200, you know, I probably had like a hundred PS2 games, man. Like that was huge and just speaks to the times that I, I can turn around and be like, yeah, my, my physical library of games is like two shelves now where it was like, it was a bookcase practically, you know? Um, it's
2: just, yeah, it's what it is. Gaming is the only form of entertainment where this is a problem. It's the only one in the world. Where you just
3: lose access to yep. to viewing or, or even interacting with it sometimes. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, same thing happens for me with, like, original Game Boy games. Like, a lot of the, the stupid batteries or whatever don't work anymore. And I don't know.
0: That's, that's not totally true, though, right? I mean, like, if you look at, like, music and uh, physical media for, like, um, you know, video, those have both had the same
2: problem. Like your VHSs don't work on your DVD player anymore. No, but there's a DVD of No, uh, yeah, we're not. That's not the same thing. I'm talking about access to the game. Oh,
0: access, access to, to the,
2: the title. Yeah, like yeah. it's okay. Yeah, that's definitely. I don't. True. Yeah, I don't it's care. It's the only if it's, thing where
0: you need to maintain an old piece of hardware to make sure you have access to.
3: Yeah, games. unless you like are like, oh man, I really like Attract. Like, I want that here and I want to use them. Like, fine, go ahead and do that. You know, but there exists that the, form on uh, that thing on something else more modern.
0: To me. That's kind of the problem, with well, not necessarily the problem with. That's why there's the advantage of the digital future, is that if if stuff is digital, it is easier to make it accessible from console to console. Yeah, sure. Rather than like because like because the the problem with that and a lot of times is that like the physical media changes. You know, like you can't expect the Switch to be backwards compatible with. Something that runs disks because it runs cartridges. So it's like, what's the answer there, right? Like, to make sure that that library keeps moving with you. And I think it is some kind of digital solution, whether that's a digital-only console or a PC, right? Like, maybe, but I think there's also the idea of just, like, making you have consistent accounts, you know? Like, Microsoft has done a great job of that. Your Xbox Live account has been able to live with you on every Xbox since the original Xbox, and can't change your that's PlayStation. Why it's
3: <laughs> <laughs> stuck with that yeah. one too, man. It's, it's, it could be two sides of the same coin.
0: <laughs> but, but the thing is that like Xbox figured out a way to make that make sense in terms of like allowing your library to come with you across. Xbox. Yeah. They've done a great job. At and, it. and Sony, Sony didn't figure that out. And, and honestly, and to Sean's point, they haven't even meaningfully given us away. Like, Like, Sony's the only one that hasn't responded to that problem at all. Like, Microsoft is like, okay, that's a problem for you. Backwards compatibility is a thing, and we're going to constantly be adding games to the backwards compatible list. Great. Nintendo uh, at least re-released the Wii U games, you know, so that if you missed out on them or you did want to play those games... I that. thought that was incredibly you know, hard are-
3: for them cuz there is so many games that you and I have played and I was like, "Wait, when did this come out? Wii U. Are you fucking kidding me? We missed this? Like there were so many games yeah. you and I have hit up that were all Wii U titles and I had no god to include."
0: Yep. And, you know, providing the online, you know, like library with their with their service and everything, like those are good solutions. There are definitely a lot of um options forward it, and it's going to be interesting to see like what the different publishers decide and how we solve this problem. Because I think, uh, to Sean's point, like there are so many games like that you just mentioned, right? That you want to play from the N64 that you remember that are not accessible. And I think we need to find a way to make as as much software as accessible as possible, you know, or otherwise stuff is going to get
3: lost. And it has been for, there are things that are just straight up lost that I feel like at this point, you know, not that it can't be like, you know, brought back from the dead in some way. But uh, there, are, there are just plenty of things I've had to just turn my back on because, like, that's not happening again or that's not going to work on this. And even with PC stuff, you know, I mean, as much as you can play around with them, there are, there are things that I have struggled to get working that I just had to give up on, you know? Yep. And it's a shame. Even, you know, just stuff that worked a generation ago on one operating system less. And I, you know, all of a sudden, guess what? You're fucking screwed. Running, uh, you know, half of my games for the PC, they're still on the CD from years ago. And like, that doesn't even work anymore at the time. So yeah, you got to maintain an antique computer. Well, I mean, I do. It's just, even that one isn't running some of them now. Like It's, 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 you know, it sucks knowing that you own something or you want to, or, you know, you want to experience that thing again and you're just locked out of it in some way. And, um, short of making a, a ruckus about it, you know, like we really can't do much
0: yeah yeah unfortunately uh it it does seem that i think i think we as an industry are getting a little bit more clever about future proofing Mm -hmm. games and future proofing our access to them um and now it's time to i think work backwards but yeah
3: props to microsoft though i mean if they can if i i feel like personally i mean still don't even own xbox one right but if anyone's gonna be able to pull this off with the way that they've been handling everything over the last couple years um I'm going to give it to them for that, you know, because Sony has not made any strides. Uh, So.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think moving into the next generation Xbox has the opportunity to really look great because you could buy the next Xbox. And if it's still totally backwards compatible with all this other software day one, you'll have a library of all the other Xbox games you've ever owned. And if PlayStation doesn't have an answer to that, they're going to look bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, we shall see. It's an interesting thing to chew on. Um, but uh, we do have more to discuss today, so uh, we will move on and we will talk about that announcement as it develops. Uh, so this one's kind of tight. Uh, the Game Awards announced their uh, nominees for their many, many categories. We are not going to get into all of them because we'll be sitting here reading things all day. I did just want to touch on the Game of the Year nominees and uh, and just, just just get reactions to the list a little bit gloat a little bit uh so (laughs) the game of the year list this year uh and again if if you're not aware it's recognizing a game that delivers the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields our nominees are assassin's creed odyssey celeste god of war marvel spider-man monster hunter world and red dead redemption 2 so uh, i don't know about you guys if you had asked me to guess what the six games would be this would have been it so yeah, two? I mean, we called like,
1: this back in July, yeah, and I stand I by saying, that's ago. a real spicy I, take. I
3: know, I Just, I I just yeah. didn't remember that until right now. Oh my god, wow.
0: That's that's all I wanted to bring <laughs> up was, yeah, that I've ever had like, whoa, that's a spicy <laughs> I, take. And I'm just like,
3: just wait, baby, just I, wait. I, I stand by my Indian calling with a spicy take. I guess so. It's still a
1: spicy take.
3: <laughs> it's very spicy. <laughs> but
0: I think it deserves a nod. I'm just going to throw that out there. Mm. Uh, so, what do you guys think about this list? Are you surprised? Are there any games that you feel like uh, are, should have been included that are
3: being omitted? Uh, or It's hard to say because most of these games were, like, record-breaking sales for this year. You know, it's like every single one of these games yeah. was like, oh, this game came out and it it blew everything away and then the one came after it and it's like, damn, that one did it too. And, you know, I mean, seriously, Monster Hunter, Spider-Man, Red Dead and God of War all sold ridiculous amounts of copies and it's no stretch of the imagination that they're all here you know celeste i'm surprised i'm yeah. really surprised i mean i know it's popular and i haven't played it but i'm just very surprised one they
0: that. one indie game like this makes the makes the yeah, list I just every didn't year think be celeste, <laughs> celeste was like the I, for a while i was thinking it could have been like dead cells or the messenger
1: or whatever yeah. but like i would have went with dead cells is so, the honest i'm with gonna you. And I know this wasn't going to (laughs) happen because God of War sold, like, a bajillion copies, and people that weren't me largely loved it. But I didn't love God of War as, like, an experience to play. Like, I don't know. I would have rather, honestly, have seen uh, Dragon Ball on there. Yeah. Fighters? Uh, Which is genuinely maybe my favorite fighting game ever. It's so much fun. It's it's just such a good experience uh, to play it as both a fan of video games and of uh, Dragon Ball. Like, it feels good. The characters are there. It's tight. It yeah. It was the biggest game in Evo this year, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I-, I believe so. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. the only change I personally would make, but I understand that... <laughs> Maybe not? See... For me, I'd get rid of Monster Hunter
3: World too. if you're
0: gonna get rid of any of the games on this list. I liked Monster Hunter World as well, but I don't think it's a game of the year contender.
3: That's the only one I, you know, I like. I said Celeste, great, whatever, you know, that's awesome. I I don't see Monster Hunter World there. I mean, copies aside, it's yeah. to me that's one of those games that they're always great when they come out and they go away until they come out again, you know. And I've, I don't know, maybe because I've played like five Monster Hunters World or Monster Hunters before this, but um, I really wasn't into World, you know. I don't know well, what it was. I just I,
0: I think the thing for me is like if you're if you're looking at like what the definition here, right? Like it's the game that delivers the best experience, absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields. Mm-hmm. Like Monster Hunter, there's a lot of things about it that are not good. Yeah, the yeah. story's not good. The voice acting is bad. Um, it's like. There are some issues I have with, like, some of its technical systems in terms of, like, how it handles matchmaking and, like, how it requires you to, like, beat a story mission before you can invite your friends in when the whole point of the game is multiplayer. play with your friends. All this other shit. Yeah, like, there's a lot of problems with it. And I think, like, as much as I enjoyed my time with it, which was a decent amount of time, like, I don't think it's in any way a game of the year contender. Let me
3: ask you this, Pete. Is, is between, like, let's just say... Even everything on this list. I know you haven't played Assassin's Creed yet, but uh, between yeah. all of these, are you ever going to go back to Monster Hunter World? No. See, there you go. <laughs> That's all that really matters. Like, can you call a game a game of the year I mean, if you don't feel you're going to go back to it?
1: Yeah, I mean, because, Cause, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I...
3: I mean, like, Undertale's the only one I'd ever think of in that respect for me.
0: I don't know, cause like there are plenty of games that like I enjoyed and I wouldn't play again just because really? I'm, I'm moving on. Yeah, but it's like it's just I think the thing with Monster Hunter is like when I think back on what are the best games I played this year, like what are the memories I have with video games this year? It's not, it doesn't scratch the surface. Okay. Like it was, it was a game I played in January and had fun. Yeah. With it. <laughs> but like when I when, when if you ask me like oh like what are what are the big games this year? Like I it wasn't. I don't think it stood up like I would I expected it to get nominated because it was a movement for a minute but like I just I don't know I don't I
2: don't think it really is deserving on the spot I totally agree with Andy <clears throat> I think um Dragon Ball Fighters fighter should have been on the list getting a nod is insane yeah. and it just goes to show that these kinds of um, these kinds of awards are very biased And they don't really give a shit about, like, representation in gaming. Uh, For Celeste to be on here and Fighters to not be is just insane. Because Fighters, like, for a fighting game to beat Street Fighter out at Evo is monumental. That has never happened. I didn't know it happened this year. That has never
1: happened. So if... So... Oh, uh, I... Sorry. I absolutely lost the, the thread of what I was about to say in Concussion Brain.
3: <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> the concussion's coming back. Just go ahead, Sean. Uh,
2: just, you know, Dragon Ball Fighters was a movement in and of itself. It just wasn't a movement among the gamers that these kinds of things appeal to. So it's not going to be on this list. But I think that that, that in and of itself is insane. Why would you not represent a game that is one of the greatest fighting games of all time? That was a movement among fighting game fans that beat out St- Street Fighter at Evo. Those are those are huge deals, um, and it's a technical marvel. It gets everything right. I just this is just ridiculous. This is insane to me. Uh, if you're taking set. a game out, which game are you taking out?
1: It's a, it's especially. Like, Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, assuming that, like, Me? the Celeste slot is always going to be for, like,
2: an indie game. Oh, well, then I okay. then I agree with Pete about Monster Hunter. Yeah.
0: I think even if you don't follow that rule, it should be Celeste over Monster Hunter. I haven't like, played Celeste, Celeste is, is, a... Celeste is
1: not the indie game I would put there. Um, I, you know, I should play Celeste, but... Man, I've been playing Return of the Overdin, uh, which is the new game. F- it's a puzzle I game for the guy I'm who seeing. made Papers, Please, and it's fucking incredible. Oh, I love they Papers. Please. Out, like, uh, did you say like, like just came out though?
0: Yeah, it probably like wouldn't. It's probably too new to be in the cutoff. Right, that's that's it here yeah, like, because
3: yeah, not like that. But last year, oh, didn't something come out no, yeah, like three right. weeks you're beforehand right. just to get it in the running, practically? <laughs> Uh, no they made an exception for it There Puppet you go, that's year. what it was. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, no, you're right about Red two Dead. Days though. Red
0: Dead is only what two weeks old. Okay. Oh, you know what though? There is there is a caveat to that. Cause the game awards noms are, are decided okay. by a panel of judges, and those judges are like generally like games journos and stuff, right? So it's like they probably had access to Red Dead for you know, at least two to four weeks before it came out, mm. and we're able to formulate an opinion on it. Whereas they might not have had access to that indie game. You know, like I, I imagine that the reason that game is not—if it is so good—that it it might not have even been in the running because of when it came out. I mean, but even so, that like, game is in for I,
3: best art direction. So yeah, it's there. <laughs>
0: that game, the one that Andy yeah, just mentioned. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's there one of go. them
3: for for that category. Uh, I don't know about the rest, but that's the only place I saw it so far.
1: It's it's something. Well, I mean that's it's, cool. it's, on. It's, it's it's definitely one of my game yeah. contenders.
0: That's cool, man. Well, I mean, I have to say before you play Celeste, rule but... out Celeste, you should play it cuz th- that game is uh certainly I think it's um, a, it's a really an achievement. It's, like yeah. it's a it's a real tight platformer um but musically, narratively, artistically like it succeeds across the board, you know? um and that's i just don't think you can say that about (laughs) about, about uh monster hunter you know like it's it's got its charm but i don't think it succeeds on the same level as any of these games like every one of these other games like i can't speak to odyssey but you know i trust andy's opinion um every other game on this list does at least one thing exceptionally well it's and true. I don't really feel like Monster Hunter does anything exceptionally well. Hmm. But Except that's for just one man's opinion.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. If, uh, if any of you listeners at home have spent more time uh, with Monster Hunter World like I did and want to weigh in on this, I would be really interested to hear what you think or what other games you feel like maybe should have made the cut um, or shouldn't have made the cut. But uh, we will definitely be talking more about the Game Awards uh, after, you know, the award show. We usually like to do a little bit of a, a recap and kind of talk about who won the big categories and how we feel about them. So uh, we will link to it down below if you want to check out the rest of the games that are nominated. There's a couple games that we talked about a good amount this year, like A Way Out and uh, Detroit, that are also on some of these lists. So um, go, uh, go check it out if you're interested and uh, stay tuned for more Game Awards coverage. All right, so that's going to take us into our meat and potatoes this week. Uh, the main topic on my mind this week is how Sony has made the announcement they are not going to be attending E3 this year. So, obviously, uh, this is pretty crazy news. This is the first time they won't be attending in the conference's, uh, I believe it's 24-year history. Damn. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, and that obviously kind of throws a wrench in a lot of the... I don't know, the the general flow of the weekend. Uh, So before we get into some of their reasoning and, you know, the conversation around it, what was your initial
2: reaction to this news, boys? That it's bad. (laughs) That it's really bad. Uh, We have talked about this on the show before, the conversation about whether or not E3 needs to feature the big three. And I was and am staunchly of the mind that it needs to. And that the little side projects that they do are just fine. But that this kind of thing actually does major damage to E3. I don't care about E3 now. I watch primarily to see what Sony's going to do with Nintendo being second. And with if just if Sony's not going to be there, I'm not nearly as invested as I normally would be. And there are a lot of people who will feel like that. And there are a lot of people who would feel like that if any of the other um, major major console creators and publishers were to leave E3 as well. Uh, I think this is. Awful. I think this
1: is awful for different reasons. Um, this is a big old eye roll from me at Sony because fuck it, of course Sony's not going. Like, given everything they've done in the past couple years of Sony just, like, sort of, yeah.
3: Just one more step down the same path. Being
1: PS3 launch Sony again. I don't understand it. Like, I, I, of of course they're doing something dumb and nonsensical.
3: (laughs) I love the way you're putting it, because I don't really have words for my disappointment, and both of you have managed to... Quantify pretty well. I, I don't think that this is a positive thing, and I know we've talked about it before. Uh, I watch the E3 event for Sony, and I, I, you know, I care about Nintendo and I care about Xbox, but I, I don't necessarily care about watching it for them. You know, it's a lot of time to invest in stuff that, like, I'm probably not going to have you know, the money to spend on all three systems or anything like that. So it's like, I just stick to that. Like you have BlizzCon for blizzard. Perfect. You know, that's most of my like PCs, uh, garnishing time. You know what I mean? There's, there's Sony is to me has been like, and if, if they've been there for 24 years, it's kind of like the backbone of E 3 to me. You know, I, I kind of see it like that. And I know we you know, we, we might pick apart their show, um, more than others, but I think that's cause there's such a force of it and it, feels like you're pulling out the base of a really big institution by doing this. And it doesn't seem to add anything to me. I know that they're still going to get all their announcements Uh, out there, but I, I don't
1: like, uh. I genuinely don't understand the decision-making with the, the sales and product year Sony's having, right? Why they are doing the stupid PR stuff they've done all year. I,
0: yeah, so I, I I definitely agree with that, and I, I agree with what's been said about um, the issue of that of pulling out a pillar of E three, you know, and and the concern that comes from that. But uh, I think there's an interesting wrinkle to this story that uh, is pointed out in the Variety article that we'll reference down below uh, by Brian uh, Chris, Crescente. and I uh, I think I think that there there might be an angle here that we're not totally considering um so first of all there is a uh, there's a quote here from um this this is the statement that sony made about it right as the industry evolves, Sony Interactive Entertainment continues to look for inventive opportunities to engage the community. PlayStation's fans mean the world to us and we always want to innovate, think differently and experiment with new ways to delight gamers. As a result, we've decided to not participate in E3 2019. We're exploring new and familiar ways to engage our community in 2019 and can't wait to share our plans with you. Right? So I think like that sounds like they're being like we're moving away from E3 because we want to do other things. But one of the things that I thought was interesting that is pointed out in the article is that uh, there's a, another quote here from Sean Layden that came out around the time when they had decided that they weren't going to be doing the PlayStation experience, which is their own you know yearly mm-hmm. kind of event, right that they've been doing for the last couple of years. So Sean said, now that we have Spider-Man out the door, we're looking down to uh, we're looking down in 2019 to games like Dreams, Days Gone, and Days Gone. But we wouldn't have had enough to bring people together in some location in North America to have that event. We don't want to set expectations really high and then not deliver on it. And I the the question that Brian put, put posits a little bit later here and I I agree is the same could be true for E3 2019. That Sony might just really yeah, not yeah. have much to show us, because when you think about the timing of what's left, like he said, there's days gone, there's dreams, there's The Last of Us Two, and uh, uh, what's uh, oh Death Stranding, uh, Hideo, the Samurai, game? Death Stranding, Death Stranding, uh, no, Sekiro. oh, right, right, uh, and then Ghost
3: of Shusima. Sekiro Shadows, yeah, yeah.
0: But Ghost of Tsushima is the sucker punch Oh, you game. can play, right, PlayStation. And, that, <laughs> and, like, that's it. Like, that's all that's on the, the horizon right now. And I think when you th- think of that, like, last year at E3, they showed us the same games that they showed us this mm-hmm. year. And yeah, we, we made a by next out. E3, right. And by next E3, Days Gone will be out. And a few of these other games will probably be out later that year. So maybe Sony really just feels like they don't have enough to warrant the big E three showcase that they often deliver. And when you look at our reaction and a lot of people's reaction to what they did last year, I wonder if that's not the move for them. Like if that's not what's motivating this choice on some I mean, level. like I,
3: I consider that like right away and I and I do agree that there isn't necessarily anything to like dazzle us past things we already know about and that's fine as long as like they were a little more you know cons- maybe they could make a smaller conciser you know uh, you know uh, show that they could come out and good pr of course say hey you know like this is what we have you know and like this is what we're gonna do they don't have maybe like that's it maybe that is it you know that's fine but i don't think they should still pull out just because they don't have enough to like give something that's a showstopper you know what i mean Maybe they yeah, don't. Like, That's, I don't know. To 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 remove yourself from that just because, you know, there isn't anything even new necessarily. There's new stuff on those games, you know? Yeah,
1: like, it's going to be I don't know. June, right? And Days Gone will be out. And maybe they have a release date for, you know, some of the other stuff they have coming down the pipeline. But, like, sh- show me your indie games. Give me a yeah, big DLC maybe. announcement for Days Gone. Yeah, there you go. I don't know. I I think it's a there's stuff you can do in between idea to just leave e three.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I totally get the <clears throat> the thing about you know not necessarily having a lot to showcase. That makes total sense. Um, how is it that this is the only time in in you know however long that this is the only time they've had they felt this way? Yeah, I, I don't That's what I'm believe saying. that yeah. at all uh, I think that there are other things that they could have showcased I think that there are ways I mean even if you come out the gate and say hey you know we're gonna be there but we're really not we don't have a ton to talk about Thank because you. we do have <laughs> you know other things coming down the pipe later you could allude to the, to the Playstation 5 whatever um, and, and make it you know make it something different make it about celebrating the PS4 and yeah. wh- and whatever. There you go. Um, I don't think that they need to pull out because and I really strongly feel like that's a bad thing for E three. Yeah, and I and I think E three is a thing that is good I really for wonder,
0: Sony and the industry. Yeah, like, that's yeah, definitely. Right.
1: Why Sony isn't uh, doing something like what Microsoft did this year and uh, like trying to leverage some of those third party relationships to like just have the announcements be at their presentation.
0: Yeah, and I, I think Sony could easily do that. You they know, could. It, it, it is weird to, to see them make the, not make that decision. And again, I, there's another wrinkle that's pointed out in the article from Variety that I think might have something to do with this. And I also have a little a little more to add um, where this also comes a month after the confirmation uh, that we talked about on the show from Sony's CEO Kenshiro Yoshida who said that there was a successor to the PlayStation 4 in the works, right? um or the quote that they pull here is at this point what i can say is it's necessary to have a next console next generation hardware right so that also came with a little thing that i saw floating around this week on twitter uh that came from wario 64 who um showed that luminous productions and square enix are currently working on a triple a title for ps5 so we knew dev kits were out we knew that ps5 already had games actively in development I wonder if part of the motivation here is maybe they're planning to do another one of those big February events, or not in February, but like similarly what we got with the PS4, where it is that big PS5 announcement, and they want that to be their own thing. Honestly, I think they're playing chicken with Microsoft, a thing fighting for oxygen. Who announces
1: first? Because I really think that a big factor in the. The PS4 launching as strong as it did was like how bad the Xbox One announcement was and how P- placed, or Sony sorry, was able to, when they announced the PS4, frame it as all the things the Xbox One wasn't. And uh, yeah, I think that's what they're waiting out mm. is. Smart they, move. Uh, I think it would be a good window for Microsoft to say, hey, we got this console coming at E3 this year. And I think for Sony to come out a month later and say, hey, we got this console coming and look at all the stuff that is cooler about it than the Xbox 2 or whatever.
3: It, it almost sounds to me like Sony's strategy currently feels like they want to leverage their fan base against Microsoft's. And Microsoft's obviously hungry to get a bigger fan base to get more of the market and everything. But I feel like by pulling out and doing all this stuff where they're really just kind of holding their cards a little more i could see that working you know like if they want to play chicken with microsoft in the long run of attrition they do have more people on in install base so i guess the ball's in their court in that respect um maybe they're worried that they'll goof it up by putting something out and people will not necessarily even be negative to it but when the microsoft announcement comes that they can do what sony did you know and make it say well this is everything that that is isn't," because it seemed to work really strongly for the PS4. I know Microsoft is really hungry and could work. I, I just don't. You don't have to make E3 about the PS5 announcement. You know, you could do like a PlayStation Experience kind of thing, which they're not doing. So it's just strange that they're like not doing anything anymore right now. Like, I I know they're going to replace it somehow or they're going to get the information out there, but yeah, it's just weird they're holding so many cards back. You know.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think that's that's all valid. Yeah, it is it is a strange move. I think there's rationale behind it, but I don't think that, that rationale is necessarily it's,
3: good. Yeah, they have a direction that they are on, and you know we will know when it's done rather than you know them telling us usually in the last yeah. year especially. Yeah. So, I mean, they're doing what they're doing. They have a plan. Um, it's just going to be. I, I just don't know how it's going to work because I don't know what the fucking plan is.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, we're just going to have to see. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the ESA, the Entertainment Software Association, who is the company behind E3, uh, doesn't seem concerned about Sony's uh, lack of presence at the conference. They released their own statement afterwards uh, where you know they didn't even <laughs> mention Sony. Uh, and they, they basically have just – they has a bunch of quotes of support from a bunch of the, the publishers who are going to be involved. And they said that the industry momentum uh, seems – they they feel that E3 2019 is poised to be the biggest year yet um, based on how big it was last year and that they still have that positive momentum. They've got all these great quotes from people like Reggie and all these other people that are going to be there. And then at the end, they have um, – this statement where they say, Among the leading video game companies already committed to participation in E3 2019 are Microsoft and, Microsoft and Xbox, Nintendo of America, Activision, Bethesda Softworks, Capcom, Epic Games, Konami Digital Entertainment, Square Enix, Take-Two Interactive Software, Ubisoft, and Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment. So, I don't know if that means that all those people are going to, you know, like, have showings. I, I think it's, you know, a lot of them will probably just appear on some of these other There's stages, it. but... Uh, they seem confident that I it's mean, not going to affect, even excluding momentum, the so. course of the next we'll just have to see
1: Atari. In
3: oh yeah, exactly. Well, what's the other one now? Television. Yeah, television's back too. <laughs> man, we gotta. There's five now. It's not just three. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, it's clearly a big deal. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what they're on, but you can't tell me that Sony's not going to be there and it's not going to affect momentum in some way. You know what I mean? That's insane. Like, it may not like destroy E yeah. three, but like, it will affect the momentum. I mean, you are out of your mind. It's the largest amount of people in any salt base. There's no way it's not going to affect it. You know?
0: Yeah. And so, Sony's conference is always a big exactly. You know? Like that's that's a thing that you can yeah, ignore. It's it's definitely going to change E three, but I I think that they're probably right that
3: I don't think this is going no. To it's to not going to kill it, but it could be the first of many cuts, and that's how most things go down. So we'll see. That is true. That
2: is true. It's it's also a a precedent setter. This is this is unprecedented, right? Right. So, uh, who knows what kind of impact that has uh, in the future? You know, I don't. I don't think that the, I don't think that the impact of Sony not being at E three this time is going to be, you know, the big blow. Right. But who knows? Maybe they decide, hey, that actually wasn't so bad for us. Let's just skip it again. Right. You know, or Microsoft goes, "Ah, you know, maybe this year, not, not, not in 2019, but, you know, down the road Uh, this year, we don't need to do E3. We'll do our own conference a little later. None of those things are positive. They're just not positive. E3 needs to be what it has been and it needs to get bigger and it needs to be sustained. And it, it is sustained by the big three. Their presence matters. And I don't think that you can just turn your back on the industry in that way i don't think that that's overall positive and it feels like sony is kind of placing themselves in this cocoon separate from everybody else and that doesn't seem wise to me on any level for anybody i agree
0: so ultimately i think you know this is another one we're gonna have to let simmer and see what the ultimate kind of takeaway is when it's all when the dust is all settled but, the only uh, thing... Initial reaction to this... The oh, only thing I can
3: think positive that it just came to me, is, like, say all they start they all start dropping out, like, Microsoft next year or whatever, like, worst case scenario, like Sean was saying. It does pave the way for other developers to try to take that spotlight that may have not had time before. Maybe E3 becomes, you know... Or who...
0: Or who's not big that, enough yeah, to do that kind I mean. of thing. Right. Right? Like, you know, so, somebody who doesn't have the, the amount of... Uh, cachet right. that, like Blizzard does. That's, their that's what BlizzCon. I'm saying.
3: Now, maybe there's room for things like that, and that's the only positive I could really sure. see about it—like really having that domino effect. But it's that's silver lining stuff, you know?
0: Yeah, but I, I think that's that's something to think about. Is like maybe maybe this isn't the sign of the death of E3, but the evolution of yeah. E3. So we, we'll have to see. I'm interested to see how we feel about about it when E3 2019 is said and done. Um, and, you know, obviously we'll be here to talk you through it. So if you guys want to let us know what you think about this announcement or any of the other news we talked about on this week's show, uh, remember you can hit us up at the video game pals at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us at, um, you know, at the comics pals where your social media is sold. And if you want to help out the show, you can do so by giving us a like on your platform of choice, uh, clicking that subscribe button. If you're a YouTube viewer, uh, clicking that notification bell so that you know when these daily videos go live and, um, Apple Podcasts, that's the other one. Head over there and give us one of those sweet, sweet reviews, uh, because it really helps the show get recognized and get new eyes and ears on what we're doing here at the Pals Network. Uh, And it's the best way you can help us out. So, with that, uh, we'll get into some plugs before we bounce out of
2: here. Sean? Alright, so, if you want to hear more from me, we just dropped episode 108 of the Comics Pals, where we talked about the unfortunate uh, passing of Stan Lee, the grandfather or father depending on your perspective of comics uh, so that was a big topic this week and we, we looked at it from several different angles um, the positives of his life, some of the negatives and the reactions to his passing uh, so lots to discuss there so head over and check that out if you're interested uh, And then <clears throat> if you want more from me uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Soapbox you can hit me up to talk about uh, how fighting games are underrepresented and the red-headed stepchildren of the video game industry.
1: Andy? Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at Tiger underscore Millions. If you see the pic of John Waters, you've gotten exactly the right amount. Um, you can talk to me about how much it sucks to be concussed. Uh, pirates, still nobody Shocking. wants Good. to talk about pirates. Um Never given up. And honestly, if you want to talk to me about movies this week, um, one of my favorite figures in the movie industry passed away the other day, uh, William Goldman, who wrote The Princess Bride and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, uh, both of which are two of my favorite movies. So if you want to talk about that, I'd love to talk about that. I have some feelings I got to get out there. And we don't have a Movie Pals podcast. Not yet, we don't. E- except for that time me and Phil talked about the Oscars. <laughs> that, that was the was thing funny. that happened. <laughs> Yeah, I want to do it again this year. Why? Because it was fun. There we go. Something to look forward to, everybody.
3: Uh, Tom? You can find me at RogueVampire on Twitter, and you know what? Screw it. Talk to me about movies, too, because I saw Overlord recently, and holy crap, we need to talk about Overlord. That movie that is great. Mm, mm, good stuff. Uh, but mostly I talk about video games, I talk about memes, I do dumb things. I play Pals Play with Pete, although... Uh, Kind of haven't done that in a week. Whoops! <laughs> so uh, logistics are bad sometimes. But in any case, pal's Play will be back, and I think we're gonna do Pokemon. I don't
0: know. Uh, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. We're gonna some sure, Pokemon
3: man. Okay, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And Pete, we got lots of new games to play. Pokemon, Spyro, we we still a lot of new Delta Rune. We got. We we got some in the else? I don't know. Maybe, maybe so, maybe so.
1: I I'll just do play that. them both at the same time. Spyro entered the Pikachu. Uh, that sounds
0: <laughs> Uh, as for me, if you want to connect with me on social media, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and, and Instagram. Uh, come talk to me about any of the stuff we talked about this week or, you know, any other week. I'm, I'm down to talk about whatever. Um, and uh, if you want to get some more content from me, like Sean and Thompson said, I'm on the Comics Pals. I'm on Pals Play. And uh, you can also catch me over on LootPots.com where I am a contributor to the news team. Uh, I do some reviews, uh, some rumors, and host their weekly Nintendo podcast, The Potscast, which will have its new episode out this week uh, where I think we'll be talking about Pokemon Let's Go. So, if you want to go get some more video game talk with me with a couple of fine British boys, uh, go check out that program. It's uh, it's rather enjoyable. I've had a few of you reach out to me and say that you've checked it out and enjoyed it. So, I really appreciate you uh, showing your support and uh, following me wherever I go. So, uh, with that, we are the Video Game Pal signing off. We'll catch you on the Bye. Bye,
1: everybody.